Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. My name is John Whitaker, and uh, I am just grateful that you're here, here on the Bible in Life. Our goal is to provide what I like to call blue jeans theology. That is to, to try to take the teaching of the text of the Bible or wrestle with questions that people are asking about the Bible and explain those in everyday language in a way that's connected to everyday life. And not just so that you or I could know the Bible better, but so that we can actually follow Jesus better right in the context of everyday life. So that's what this podcast is all about, Blue Jeans Theology, and helping people like you and me follow Jesus right in the context of our everyday life. And on that vein, just is super encouraging to me when I get uh, emails from a variety of people, which I do semi-regularly from people who are asking me questions, who or who are using the materials and are finding it helpful to their faith. And and uh, let me just highlight uh, one or two here. I got an email a few weeks ago from uh, a man by the name of Warlano. I, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, Warlano. I don't even know exactly where he lives. I just know he's using the podcast, Bible and Life podcast, as well as my listener's commentary where I teach straight through Bible books. And he's using that to grow in his faith. And I, I think he's a pastor where he's at. And he's using it to help him be able to teach other people as well. And he just simply says, so good to hear from you. He got an email from me. So good to hear from you. I look forward to hearing from you regularly, especially I'm making good use of your advanced lessons and methods. Thanks and God richly bless you. And that's just so encouraging to me that... Uh, here he is, because of the internet, able to access the, the listener's commentary, able to access the podcast he's learning, and he's using that to help other people learn and grow. And he's in a place where um, my suspicion is he doesn't have access to those kind of resources and would never have them if it weren't for things that were put on the internet. I got an email shortly after I got that one from Orlano from uh, Jeff and believe that's, again, how you pronounce his name, Jeffin or Je Jeffin, like that, from Kenya. Uh, again, I believe he's a pastor as well, not 100% certain, but he is, uh, when he has ac access to the internet, which isn't consistently, he's using the Bible in life, he's using the listener's commentary to help him grow in his faith as well. And uh, he even asked, have you ever traveled to Kenya? No, I have not been to Kenya. I have friends who are missionaries in Kenya, but I myself have never been there. So, Notes like that where people in places that don't have access to these resources but are using them to help them grow, and that's just that's really the heart behind this, um, wherever God can use it for his honor and for his name's sake, um, may that happen and may that uh, continue to grow and expand and reach more and more people. And that's made possible because of the generosity of people who do have access to the internet regularly and people who do have access to maybe a little more funds and are like, man, I, I believe in the vision of this. I want to help people like Warlanya or Jeff and, or other people who around the country just grow in their faith. And so if you are a supporter of this ministry, if you're a ministry partner, either through Patreon or through World Family Mission, can I just say thanks a ton? Thank you to, for your generosity. Thanks for making an impact in people's lives that you and I may never meet until 
uh, you know, the new heavens and the new earth. And we may never know the full impact that um, your generosity, this work, and our partnership together has on those people and, and how many people it had an impact on. And we're trusting God for that. And so thank you if you're a ministry partner and a donor and a supporter of this ministry. And if you've been impacted in it, or if you hear stories about Warlan, or Jaffin, and others, and you want to uh, join the team of ministry partners, man, there's a link down in the notes below. The easiest way, probably the best way to do that is through World Family Mission. Um, that is the umbrella organization that I operate through. It's a registered nonprofit and provides a little financial accountability. And virtually 100% of what you give through there comes directly to me. And so you can donate through there and support this ministry, become a ministry partner as well. So if you want to do that, check out the notes down below. Check the link down below. I'd love to have you join the team. I'm actually praying this year for the Lord to bring the number of people who give through World Family Mission up to about 30 people. Right now, we're about 15 or 16. So that'd be doubling it in the next six months, which is a huge ask. But the fact is, is monthly predictable income is only about uh, 65% of minimum monthly need. And so for this ministry to be able to continue to grow and expand, uh, we just need more people to, to step up and join the team and be donors. And so maybe that's you. And if you're able to do that, I would be uh, deeply appreciative for you if you could become a monthly donor of that, as well as people around the world would be deeply appreciative. So thanks to all you who donate. Deeply appreciate that. We are in a series that uh, we're just exploring really some things about the Old Testament law. And the reason we're doing that is because there's just it's just hard to read, if we're honest. <laughs> it's confusing. It's not the most scintillating or engaging. I actually, over the weekend, was with a friend of mine who is a believer. He grew up Jewish. He's a believer. He's reading through the Bible right now, and he told me, he said, I'm in Leviticus, and I just can't wait to get done. And that's the way most of us feel, particularly about Leviticus. Not always the most scintillating, not the most uh, engaging stuff. I think there's a lot of confusion about the law. So just trying to I don't know, explore various things that will help me get some of these thoughts out on the law that I've been studying over the last decade, help me maybe clarify some of my thoughts on that, and hopefully provide some framework for some of you as you uh, sit down to read the law. Now, when we're talking about the Old Testament law, we're talking about the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's the Old Testament law. And probably the most common thing I've heard about the law, the Old Testament law, that is actually a fundamental misunderstanding of it is this, that the law was just all, it's, it's all about works. It's about trying to earn your salvation. It's all about doing, and it's all about works. And so the law is is really about work salvation. And the point of it was that you couldn't do it, and therefore you needed a Savior. Now, there's there's a there's a tiny bit of truth in that, but that's also a fundamental misunderstanding of what the law actually is and how the law uh, intends to operate and what its, what its purpose was in the Old Testament, even though it's incredibly common. Even though you sit with or, you know, you, you sit in Bible studies or you talk to people. I've even heard pastors say that, and yet that's a fundamental misunderstanding of the law. The Hebrew word for law is Torah. And Torah 
doesn't just refer to rules, laws, but refers to more like a way of life, instruction, guidance. And so don't just think of the law pr primarily as laws, although it does include that. Um, it's guidance. It's instruction. It's a way. It's a wise way. That's what the Torah is, and it's the five books of the law, Genesis through Deuteronomy. Now, within that, there are laws. There are laws. In fact, there are 16, 613 uh, of those laws. The most famous of those laws are the Ten Commandments. And so there are laws, but it's way more than that. And when you read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, what the way more is the story that it's a part of. It's a narrative. It's by narrative we mean story. We typically use the word narrative in discussing those kinds of things because story often has the sense of fiction to us. Narrative does not. And so it's not fiction, but it is a story. It's narrative. And that narrative is the setting in which the laws sit, right? And that is very, very important to see, and it's very instructive to us. And that story begins with the book of Genesis, and it tells the story of the fall of mankind, the growth of sin throughout the world, God's initial judgment on sin through the flood, uh, God promising never to destroy the earth by a flood again, and then it really begins to pick up steam in Genesis chapter 12 when God calls a man by the name of Abram, uh, later known as Abraham. God calls him to himself, um, not necessarily because of any righteous thing Abraham did. He just called him to himself and then gave him a promise that uh, through Abraham and his descendants, God was going to reverse the curse of the fall and sin and death, and God was going to bring his blessing, not just to Abraham and Abraham's family, but through them to all the families of the earth. And that's where the story really begins to pick up speed, and the rest of Genesis then tells the story of Abraham's family, uh, Abraham himself, and then Abraham's son Isaac, and then Jacob and Esau. And it tells the story of Abraham's growing family and how God began to fulfill that promise to Abraham and how God did give him descendants and how those descendants grew. And by the time you get to the end of the book of Genesis, where we end up is Abraham's family has settled in Egypt because there was a famine in the land of Canaan where Abraham's descendants were living. And so now they've settled in Egypt because Joseph, his, an, a powerful leader in Egypt, one of Jacob's kids, and he invited the whole family down, gave them protection. They came and lived there and were provided for during this famine. And then the book of Exodus picks up, continuing the story, how the family now has grown massive and huge and become almost like a little sub-nation within Egypt uh, as they've lived there now for hundreds of years living in Egypt. And so that's where Exodus picks up. And then Exodus continues to tell that story of how things have gone from good to bad and, and they're, they've become slaves in Egypt and they're being made to uh, make bricks, and the, the new ruling party doesn't recognize Joseph and doesn't recognize them. And then as they're growing so big, they're worried about them actually creating an uprising against Egypt, so they order the uh, the execution of any baby boys that are born. This is all the story. 
and how, man, it has gotten pretty dark and bleak for Abraham's family living in Egypt. What's all this promise? What's this about the blessing? And here it looks so bad. That's what's going on in Exodus. And that story continues in the book of Exodus all the way up to chapter 19. And finally, by the t- time you get to chapters, the, the middle chapters of the book of Exodus, God delivers um, the nation of Israel, the sons and daughters of Abraham, from their slavery in Egypt and brings them to Mount Sinai. And it's at that point, God actually gives them the law, the specific covenant and the specific laws that go with that covenant. Here's what we need to notice if we're actually going to understand the law properly. Like we're we're a whole book, the book of Genesis, and half of the book of Exodus into it before we get any laws. Um, The law isn't given until you're halfway through the book of Exodus and you're a book and a half into the story of the law. Um, and what has God already done at this point in Exodus, by the time we get to the first giving of the laws in Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments, that's where they show up is Exodus 20. What has God already done? Well, God's already redeemed them. Catch that. That is hugely important. If we just pay attention to the narrative framework, all of a sudden we realize, wait, This can't be about works salvation. This can't be all about earning your redemption and your salvation because God redeemed them before he ever gave them the law. Um, The law doesn't show up until Exodus 20 and God's already redeemed them and the law is set in that context. Let me just read you a few passages from the book of Exodus that help us see that. Um, Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. Here's God's promise saying to Israel, he's heard their cry, he's seen their oppression, he knows they're slaves. Here's what God's going to do. Therefore, speaking to Moses, say to the Israelites, give this message from God to the Israelites. I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to the land that I swore with an uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. That's Exodus 6, 6 through 8. God's promising what he's going to do, how he's going to redeem them, and how he's going to deliver them from their slavery. This is their great act of redemption. They've been redeemed, right? That's what God's going to do for them. Well, when God finally does that, he delivers them from Egypt, and they they flee the Egyptians, and they pass through the the Red Sea, and, and they make it safely through, and then uh, the seas crash in on the Egyptian army that is now pursuing them, and they have been completely delivered, and they are free. They are free and redeemed. Here is uh, the song of Moses and Miriam when they sing on the other side of the Red Sea this praise to God. Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders, You stretch out your right hand, and the earth swallows your enemies. In, catch this, in your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them. 
to your holy dwelling. Like again, redemption. They've been redeemed uh, at this moment. They've already been redeemed. No law has been given. Uh, The covenant of the law has not been sent down from Mount Sinai, and yet God redeemed them. In fact, in Deuteronomy, which comes later in the story, but the book of Deuteronomy is essentially um, Moses giving sermons to the kids of the people who came out of Egypt, because now they're adults, it's been 40 years, and they're ready to go into the promised land. And Moses is reminding them of all that God has done, reminding them of their redemption, and exhorting them to be faithful to God's covenant and keep the commands that he gave them. Here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 20 and following, this is what Moses says to them. In the future, when your son, when your kid asks you, What is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws that the Lord our God commanded you? So you can expect this. What's the meaning of all these laws? We often feel that way. What's the meaning of all these laws? Well, here's what you're supposed to say to him. We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and the whole, uh, his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on an oath to our ancestors. The Lord God commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case to this day. And so God redeemed them before he gave them the law. And there in Deuteronomy, what what Moses is telling them is make sure you pass on to your kids that These laws are a response to God's redemption. They're not in order to prove that we're worthy of God's redemption. They're not in order to earn God's redemption. They're a response to God's redemption, and we keep them so that it might go well for us. And as we talked about in last week's episode, that phrase in the context of Deuteronomy particularly, that it might go well for us, that we might flourish, isn't like arbitrary religious laws. It's inherent and organic that God gave these laws because he knows how life is best to work. He knows what's best for them. So he gave them these laws. And if they'll keep them, life will work right. Uh, Society will go well and things will go well for them in the land. And so in response to God's redemption, God graciously gave them the law, and they're being called to keep that law, not to earn their salvation, but as an expression of and gratitude for the salvation they've already been given. That's massively important as we read the law. The law is it's a fundamental misunderstanding of the Old Testament law to say it's all about work salvation. It's not. They were redeemed and delivered from their slavery before the law was ever given. And the laws, the specific laws, are set in that context. In fact, Deuteronomy or Exodus chapter 20, with the giving of the Ten Commandments, before the first commandment is given, there is a statement to remember the story. Like, remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and then. God gives the law. So remember the story. Remember your redemption. And in view of that, here's how God is calling you as his people to respond, right? Um, Throughout the laws and the stipulations and the decrees, there's reminders. In fact, there's places where God says things like, remember that you were slaves of Egypt. Therefore, treat 
the servants and the slaves and the foreigners and the outsiders among you with generosity and mercy and compassion, because that's what God did for you when you were slaves. And so some of the laws are directly tied to remember what God did for you. Do that for other people. That's that's the whole framework of the law. The law is a response to grace. The law, the Old Testament law, is not earning your salvation. It's not work salvation. It's a response to grace. Just like in the new covenant, it is a response to grace. God saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy and because of his grace. And now, now that grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and sin, as Paul explains in Titus. Like, even in the, the new covenant, we respond to grace with obedience, and the same was true under the old covenant. Um, grace and redemption preceded the giving of the law, and the law is therefore a response to that grace. And it was given for a very specific purpose for Israel. We'll talk more about this in future episodes, but let me just read you Exodus 19, verses 5 and 6. Before the Ten Commandments were given, God has delivered Israel from Egypt. He's brought them to himself. They're at the base of Mount Sinai, and here is God's vision for this people that he's calling to himself and that he's about to give the law to. Here's the vision. It says this, Exodus 19, verse 5. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, we'll talk more about the laws of covenant in next week's episode. If you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my my own possession among all the peoples, for for all the earth is mine. So you'll be like my special nation. And here, here it is, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of the Israel. This is God speaking to Moses, telling him, make sure you tell the people this. And so notice what he says there in verse 6. Israel is being set aside, set apart uh, for God to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. To be a, a nation among the nations that represents God to them, that brings God to the people, God to the nations. They're a kingdom of priests. What the priests and Israel are for the nation of Israel, Israel as a whole is for all the nations. And not only that, they're to be a holy nation, distinct, set apart. We'll talk more about that verse in later episodes, but that's the whole purpose of the law. The law was given to set Israel apart as distinct among the nations uh, so that, as we noted last week from Deuteronomy, the nations would see them and say, there's not a single nation among us that's nearly as wise and understanding as this people. So the law was given to help them be distinct, set apart, holy among the nations, so that they they could display God's wisdom and character and grace to the nations, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And the law was going to be the means by which that came about, if only Israel would keep it. Now, we know the rest of the story. We know Israel struggled to keep the law, failed to keep the law throughout their whole history. And as a result, the consequences and curses actually written in the law came upon them. Again, we'll talk more about that in the future. But the purpose, the goal of this whole giving of the law was... Uh, not to earn their salvation, they were already redeemed. 
And so now as God's redeemed people, these laws are going to form them so that they can be a light to the nations and show God's goodness and character and wisdom to the nations so that the nations could come to know God. So to summarize the main thing on today's episode, it's this, that the law is not work salvation. It's not earning salvation. The law is a response to God's grace in redeeming Israel out from their bondage to slavery and bringing them to himself. That's what the law is all about. And so let's be done um, denigrating the law and running it down by saying things about the law being purely a bunch of rules and rituals that you had to keep to earn your salvation, but no one could actually keep it. And that's why God sent Jesus. That is a caricature of really the whole biblical story and what the law is all about. All right, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. I pray that you have a great week in Jesus, that you continue to listen to him and learn from him, that your life is increasingly shaped and looks more and more like Jesus. God bless you guys. I hope you have a wonderful week. I look forward to talking to you again soon.